0: The story. All I ever
1: wanted was to be loved and cherished. And if I wasn't hit, beaten, or abused in any way, in my distorted mind, I thought I wasn't being loved. So if you didn't hit me, you didn't beat me, you didn't abuse me, I wasn't loved. It's very sad because there are so many people in this world that feel the same way.
0: G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to the story. Well, Carol Anne Kelleher's life began on the devastated post World War II streets of London, when Londoners still shook with fear at every loud noise. In fact, the government of the day encouraged Londoners to take up cigarettes and alcohol in order to self medicate. It was into this environment that Carol Anne was born, the result of a failed abortion, something that her mother reminded her of daily. Sadly, She was also regularly abused by her father. Carol Ann has written about her experiences in the book The King's Daughter, which tells the story of the healing power of forgiveness in her life. Carol Ann is chatting with Eric Scatterbo via the telephone from her home in Perth. And parents, we just want to warn you that today's conversation dealing with sexual abuse is not appropriate for young listeners. Carol Ann Kelleher, welcome to the program. Thank you.
2: Glad to have you with us, and let's go back to the atmosphere in London when you were born?
1: Well, obviously I don't remember the, the day I was born but still at age 3 and up to age 10 I can remember the, uh, the air aid shelters, I can remember the bomb sites mm. and I remember that we had all this um, coupons, uh, ration coupons to get food and we couldn't always get enough food. Uh, but my parents used to trade The food coupons for cigarettes.
2: Okay, and we heard that at that time, the government kind of wanted the population to self-medicate and smoke and drink. Is that right?
1: Yes, that's what my mother told me, that she was told to take cigarettes to calm their nerves. And the men were to drink beer as well to calm their nerves.
2: Wow, that's quite a different atmosphere at that time. And you were born in 1945, so in your toddler years, this was right after World War II.
1: Yes. The the war had just finished, or just finishing, but people were still very, very concerned that the bombs might start going off again. And I can remember the air raid shelters that we used to run into um, at the slightest noise.
2: Mm-hmm. And sadly, your mother said that you were the result of a failed abortion.
1: Yes. My mother didn't want me. She told me many times she never wanted me. Mm. And, and she even gave me um, instructions on how she tried to get rid of me on more than one occasion, but God had his hand on me, you know. He never let my my mother abort me.
2: Mm. Would she just say this in anger whenever she was mad at you? I mean, it just sounds so sadistic.
1: Um, My mother never loved me. She Mm. always always favored my brother, my oldest brother, and then uh, eight years later I had another brother, and uh, she favored him. Both my parents favored the boys. And I was just not wanted. Mm. And, uh, yeah, the anger would show. Everything I did was never right, never wrong. She always would say, why can't you be like your brothers?
2: Mm. And so this was from your mother, and then from your father it was even worse.
1: Well, my my father said he loved me. And because he loved me, these are the things fathers do to their daughters. And I had to believe him because he was my father. And, I, and when it started, I was only three years old. Wow. Even though at three, I remember I didn't like it.
2: So in his kind of dysfunctional, twisted mind, he was mm. trying to convince you that his abuse of you, we're talking about sexual abuse, yes. was somehow what he was supposed to do.
1: Yes, and that was love. That's what he told me, that was love.
2: Needless to say, you grew up very confused about what love was.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, in your heart and in your mind, somehow you know this is not right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you're told by your father, who you have to believe, because um, I would never cross him because of his. he did physical abuse if you crossed him. Um, so, yeah, I had to believe him.
2: So this was your childhood. Um, mm.
1: Really, I didn't have a childhood. Yeah. I went from three years old to a woman. Unfortunately, it wasn't just me. I had friends come to stay to or to play with me one Saturday and after my father had abused them as well they never came back again they were at the same school as I was they never spoke to me ever again so I was rejected even even at the age of 7
2: and then when you were 18 years old finally you got the courage to say no
1: Yes I did get the courage to say no but I just want to tell you something about when I was 7 mm-hmm every every friday the nuns would take us to a church service uh, the church was on the same property as the school and uh, they used to talk about god never about jesus but god and all the saints mm-hmm. and i was kneeling on the on the wooden floor next to the nun and i said in my heart and i looked up to heaven and i said or i looked up to the sky which i thought was heaven and i said if there really is a god Make me faint. Well, I fainted. I'd never fainted before, and I've never fainted since. Hmm. And I fainted, and when I came to, I was on the steps of the church with the, the nuns saying to me, Only girls with sin in their heart faint in church. Oh, wow. Well, I tell you now, I carried that with me for many, many years. I thought everything that was bad was my fault. Hmm. Everything that was horrible was my fault. And I was a very bad girl.
2: Well, let's kind of unpack this a little bit. To begin with, why do you think you wanted to say that prayer?
1: I don't know. It just came to my, my heart. Well, I know that I used to try and run away from my father. And there was something, because I went to a Catholic school, mm-hmm. so there was something in me that wanted to know if there really was a God.
2: And so you thought you'd kind of put him to the test?
1: I did put him to the test, <laughs> and it <he laughs> <Yeah>. came
2: through. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, unfortunately, the nun said some very troubling words to kind of give mm. you a guilt trip.:
1: Yes. and I was bad for many, many, many years. In fact, I, I felt that everything that happened to me till I was about 42 hmm. was my fault. It was me. It was I caused these men to abuse me. I caused my father to abuse me. I caused my mother to hurt me. Yeah, I mean, it was I, my fault.
2: I have no idea why somebody would say that to a young girl about fainting in church. You'd think they would be comforting you and saying, are you okay?
1: (laughs) But you know what? You believe the nuns because you believe the nuns are closer to goodness than anything else. You believe Hmm. them. But, you know, you've got to believe God rather than the nuns.
2: (laughs) Amen. So the pattern I'm hearing here is people who should have been giving you good examples and good advice were repeatedly telling you terrible advice and making you have a a self-image that was completely incorrect.
1: That's right, yeah.
2: So that was your childhood, kind of in a nutshell.
1: That's really, yes, exactly Mm. it.
2: Okay, and then let's get to when you were 18 years old and you finally got the courage to say no.
1: I said no, and I pushed my father away, and that's when he just beat me up and um, broke my cheekbones, my nose, and blacked my eyes. And I, I remember coming to on the floor, um, in a pool of blood somehow I got out to the front and a neighbor called an ambulance and uh, I was in, in the hospital and the police came and asked me what happened I told them and they said we don't get involved in domestic issues
2: hmm.
1: and left it at that
2: Many things have changed since those days, fortunately
1: In those days they didn't know what to do or how to do it and a parent could do what they liked to a child, and that was it. didn't matter. Um, they didn't get mm-hmm. involved. But, you know, I even went to the priest when I was eight, and I, I told the priest what was happening with my father, mm-hmm. and he told me to go home, stop making trouble for your family, and be a good girl.
2: So, once again, people in authority, people who should have known better, yeah. were letting you down left, right, and center. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. Nobody was there to help me, nobody, except God. He was there all the time, mm-hmm. but I didn't really know that. I knew there was a God, but I thought I was so bad, he would never like me.
2: And then, after you were beaten by your father, you were on the streets, or what happened to you?
1: Well, I, after leaving the hospital after a couple of weeks, I just walked the streets for a while. I, I slept in um, a railway station um, which in those days uh, I, I slept at King's Cross Railway Station a couple of times and um, I tried to stay with um, people that I knew I went to my grandmother and she said no I couldn't stay with her I went to an aunt said no I couldn't stay with her so I went to a young man who I knew and I knew he liked me but I didn't particularly like him hmm. and eventually I married him he took me in his parents took me in and I married him. But I married the wrong person, obviously. I married the same person that my father was, an abuser.
0: You're listening to The Story. Today, Eric Scatterbo is chatting with Carol Ann Kelleher, who's the author of the book, The King's Daughter, about the healing power of forgiveness in her life. We'll hear more of Carol Ann's story when we return. The Story If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. Today, Eric Scatterbo is chatting with Carol Ann Kelleher, the author of the book, The King's Daughter, about the healing power of forgiveness in her life. Sadly, as we've been hearing, Carol Ann was abused by her father growing up and finally, at the age of 18, she got the courage to say no and got away from him. Unfortunately, she ended up marrying a man who turned out to be just like her father. Now, we're going to find out what happened next in Carol Ann's life.
1: It's, you know, I often relate my life to the woman at the well, uh, the Samaritan woman at the well, mm-hmm. who went from man to man to man, and people just called her a prostitute. But we don't know what she was going through. Mm-hmm. We don't know what hurt she was at. She, we don't know if she was kicked out of the home that she was living in. We don't know if she ran away because of abuse. We don't know these things. Mm-hmm. We should never judge anybody. We should never judge because we just don't know what story or what life they're, they're living through, what trauma they're going through.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a and very unfortunately,
1: good point. even Christians these days judge.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't know what's been going on in a person's life, especially yeah. like you've been sharing in your story. So you're with yeah. this angry and violent husband who's much like your father. Then what happened?
1: Uh, I don't know how... I got away. I was there for 13 years, and one day I just ran away with my two children. (laughs) And, um, yeah, and I I didn't really look back, but I kept having relationships with abusive men. Mm. Believe it or not, I kept having the same relationships with abusive men.
2: Help us to understand what is going on in your mind. Why do you Mm. think you kept on going back to men that were abusive?
1: All the time. All the time. All I ever wanted was to be loved and cherished. Mm-hmm. And if I wasn't hit, beaten, or abused in any way, in my distorted mind, mm-hmm. I thought I wasn't being loved. So if you didn't hit me, you didn't beat me, you didn't abuse me, I wasn't loved. Hmm. It's it's very sad.
2: Yeah, but it's very common, there unfortunately. there are so
1: many people in this world that feel the same way mm-hmm. at this moment.
2: Yeah. So that, based on your upbringing and the confusion from both of your parents, that's how you felt. That's how you felt that you are being loved. Yeah. So there's a lot of self-loathing going on?
1: Um, Yes. The shame, the guilt, the feeling that everything is your fault. And no matter what you do, you make it bad. You cannot stop making bad things and bad choices. That's how you feel. But most of all was the shame and the guilt. Mm-hmm. So I used to try and cover it up, and I didn't know how to get rid of it.
2: And what about God? You knew that God answered your prayer as a child. Yeah. Did you ever think about Him? I knew him? there
1: was a God, but I I didn't couldn't find Him. Hmm. You know, I went in, in my um, 20s and 30s, I went from church to church to church looking for Jesus, looking for this God that I know that, helped me at that one time Mm -hmm. I knew that there was a, a God but you know I couldn't find him and this lady who I met beautiful lady she said to me but God's in your heart and I was absolutely amazed I thought it's in my heart then he knows me he knows my shame, he knows my guilt he knows all about me and if it's in my heart he must love me Mm-hmm. And so things got better from then on. And I started to seek him. And um, I went to a church and somebody gave me a Bible. And um, I, n- I never opened the Bible. I just kept it for a couple of weeks. I, I didn't really know how to read it in some ways. But the God spoke to me. I heard this voice and it said to me, I have taken you out of the mud and the mire and the clay and I've stood you on a solid rock. And do you know I... I I couldn't quite understand what that meant. But you know, when I did open the Bible, I opened it at, what was it, uh, Psalm 40. And it says, I have taken you out of the pit, stood you on the rock, I've taken you out of the mud and the the clay. And then I knew, I knew for certain, there was a God in my heart. Hmm. And from then on, I just sought Him, and sought Him, and sought Him, and asked for forgiveness, and asked for healing. And, I, and it took many years, I'll tell you, many years mm-hmm. to be healed.
2: And at what point did you and your children move to Australia from London?
1: Um, when my first child was two and my second child was one. Then I moved from Australia. I was 25 then. And that's when I ran away from my parents. But believe it or not, they followed me to Australia. Is that right? And I was age 40 and my father came to visit, and I hadn't seen them for 10 years. And they came to visit, and my father tried to abuse me again. Oh, my goodness. And this time, I knew there was God. And I said to him, get out, get out. Don't you dare touch me. Never come near me again. I was so angry. Mm. And um, that's when he stopped. Mm. He never tried it again. But I was 40, and he had tried it again.
2: So, understandably... You're filled with bitterness, anger, unforgiveness.
1: I hated men, but I couldn't live without a man. Hmm. Isn't that terrible? Hmm. I hated men, but I couldn't live without one. Because all I wanted to be was loved and cherished. But I was never, and I have never been, loved and cherished by any man on this earth. Never. But God loves and cherishes me. He made up for all the hurt that I have felt in my life.
2: And so you put your faith in Jesus Christ?
1: Yep. My faith was in Jesus Christ. It is now, and it always will be. You know, he took me from all this mud and the mire and the clay. I ended up working for the government for 20 years here in Australia. And then I I got a redundancy from the government and went to Bible college. I was the chaplain at Royal Perth Hospital for a year, and then I I was invited to to be a pastor in Toowoomba mm-hmm. in Queensland and I was there for two years and then I came back to Western Australia when my eldest son was diagnosed with cancer and I came back and, and uh, I, I still was um, visiting hospitals and retirement villages and helping people on their deathbed um, to die because I haven't told you that on my father's deathbed he said to me, this was his exact words, Caroline. I have always looked at you as another woman, but now I look at you as a daughter. Can you forgive me? And I said, yes, I can easily forgive you because Jesus forgave me. And then he died.
2: Wow. Many, many abuse survivors don't have that closure.
1: No, no. And then two or three years ago, my mother died at 97. And before she died... She told me she was sorry and i forgave her hmm. so god's good there was closure yeah and that's how i've been able to write my book you know many people will still point the finger many people will still say wow what a terrible woman she is but try walking in my shoes mm-hmm. yep. try walking in my shoes and i tell you what if if, if life was more important, because you have this instinct in you just to keep alive, and some of the mistakes I made, some of the bad choices I made was just to stay alive mm. and to give my children a home. they never had to go through any of that love my children <laughs> my children have been married for many, many years and yeah. have children of their own they've never gone through a divorce they've never gone through a separation they 've never gone through any of that. I protected them. Mm-hmm. I gave them the love of, that Jesus gave me, and um, they're well-adjusted children. Well, not children; they're in their fifties. <laughs> so you <laughs> and always I'm in my seventies. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so you always wanted to be cherished and loved, and you finally yeah. found that through your relationship yeah. with your heavenly Father. Yeah. And then, through forgiving your earthly father and mother, you were able yeah. to kind of unburden yourself from all the bitterness that you had been carrying.
1: Yes, absolutely. And that that was the hardest thing was forgiving other people, forgiving my parents and forgiving men that have abused me. Hmm. That was the easy part, really. Is that right? But forgiving myself was very, very hard. To forgive myself was actually having to face my shame and my guilt. And by writing this book, I've been able to to do that, Mm -hmm. just show other people, um, hopefully other women or men that may be going through this or have been through it, Mm -hmm. that you can leave your shame behind, you can face it, leave it behind, and go forward to the future that God has for you, the beautiful future that he has for you. He's got such a future for each and every one of Mm us, even me, and I'm nearly 74, even me, he's still got a future for me.
2: That's He's right. still
1: got things he wants me to do.
2: And you're doing so many wonderful things. Let's see. Let's just go through. Like you mentioned, you went to Bible school. You got a degree in ministry. You became a justice of the peace. Uh, you've been involved in prison ministry. You're a pastor. Uh, yeah. God has just been using you in amazing ways.
1: Yeah, he even gave me the opportunity to be a visiting justice to go to prisons mm-hmm. and judge prisoners in the prisons. I tell you what no i I cannot imagine that god would do such a wonderful thing to clear my name and give me such a pastor's heart and and to teach me to help other people god is so good Mm. so strong and so mighty and i'm a ceo of a child care center and i still run the child care center and i teach the children about god even though many of them are not christians Or their parents are not Christians, I teach these little children that Jesus loves them.
2: Mm. Oh,
1: God is so good. He's given me such a beautiful life.
2: And the name of your book is called The King's Daughter, and that has two meanings. Please share with us the two meanings.
1: Yes. Um, Just lately I've been um, on a a, a rather nice um, trip, and one of the countries I went to was Ireland in the U.K., Mm -hmm. And um I knew that my ancestry came from Ireland and so I went to all these different places and found where my ancestry came from. It's from a king in Ireland called Brian Baru. And uh Brian Baru's sister married a Kelleher and so I am related to the king of Ireland from the 10th century. I found the castle he lived in oh, wow. and the uh, places that he fought in at the battles, and he was one of these men that protected the Irish people from invasions of other countries. And so I am not only a royal princess from the king of kings and the great I am, but I'm also related royalty to the kings of Ireland.
2: Wow, well, how ironic. You were told in your childhood you were nothing... You were abused, and to find out that you're a double king's daughter.
1: (laughs) Yes. Isn't he good? Not only did I have to go through all that shame and that hurt, but he brought me out on top. That's what God can do. Mm, Bring you out through it and give you a soft heart, because I had a hard heart. Mm -hmm. I had a stone heart, but now I have a soft heart. Mm. and God is so good.
2: Fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us today.
1: That's my pleasure. I hope one day that somebody will be able to hear this story and be able to go forward into the future that God has for them. I have written a little poem. It's only a short one. Mm-hmm. Would you allow me to yes, read it, please? Yes, let's please. Forget who hurt you yesterday, but don't forget those who love you today. Forget the past that makes you cry. And focus on the present that makes you smile. Forget the pain of yesterday, but remember the lessons you gained. Forget what's gone and close the doors and run the race, for the future is yours. Never look back, leave the hurt behind, bring joy into your life and peace of mind. Then the future will be bright and the sadness gone, with love and forgiveness to be reborn.
2: Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for sharing that poem and your story with us today.
1: That's my pleasure. God bless you.
0: Well, what an incredibly sad story to begin with, filled with abuse and the horrific behaviour of her parents and other authority figures in Carol Ann Kelleher's life. However... God can amazingly turn even the darkest, most devastating experiences around. Carol story is truly one that shows the healing power of forgiveness in one's life. Also, it shows that what the enemy intends for evil, God can use for good. To learn more about Carol life and her book, The King's Daughter, you can visit her website, carolannkelleher.com. That's carolannkelleher.com. Well, thanks for joining us for carol powerful story of forgiveness. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. It was a friend of mine who was an uh, English friend, um, and I, I did his voice, you know, he was really sort of a bit like that, so, which sounds to me like David Beckham. He's really... Uh, <laughs> actually, no, Dave Beckham's really sort of... One of those still voices in it. But, uh, yeah, he's he's a fun one. Um, But that's where it all started, and then not long after that, I was imitating people in my church and imitating um, people that were on TV back in the late 80s. Well, you may have seen him on Australia's Got Talent or one of the morning shows. He's impersonator and comedian Ben Price, and he'll tell how he went from imitating his teachers in high school doing impersonations of movie stars on national television. That's Ben Price sharing his story next time. The Story. story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life. This program is a production of Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, see vision.org.au.